The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. As I said last week, this is our series of uh, Counting Down to Heaven, which will happen on December the 13th. And this week, we're talking uh, particularly about change, transformation, the kind that we'll have to have in order to uh, to move toward that next place that we want to be in our spiritual evolution. The simple fact is that we cannot have true change, not lasting change, without doing the deep work. And our guest today, Dr. Richard Moss, is here to tell us about how we can become the most balanced, awake, alive, and loving persons we can be. We all talk about having wholeness, but we often look for the quick fixes, even in our spirituality. It takes real work, real psychological and spiritual work, to have the kind of transformation we seek. According to Moss, this kind of transformation is about growing emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually to a life in which we have made peace with the past and embraced the shadow. This kind of work gives us an experience of the sacred and brings us into the now. So today, from one of America's wisest spiritual guides, we're going to get a glimpse of the work and the outcome of that work. And we'll also hear the clip of Oprah's next Super Soul Sunday. So be here for that. This is but one more step in our Countdown to Heaven series. So let me introduce our guest today. Richard Moss is known to some as the maestro of deep work for essential change. And he should know he experienced a deep transformation of his own. He was serving as a doctor of both emergency and preventative medicine when, at the age of 30, he had a transformative fundamental realization, a sudden surge of energy that moved through his body, opening him to unknown and new realms of consciousness and intelligence. While it took several years to fully integrate that awakening, it gave him a highly attuned intuition about the nature of the mind and a heightened sense of empathy and compassion. He now understood the heart of the ancient spiritual teachings and began to see the interconnectedness of all things which is at the heart of his work. His first two books, The Eye That Is We and The Black Butterfly, are now followed by Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. And you can learn more about his work at www.richardmoss.com. Welcome, Dr. Moss, to the show. I so appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Andrea. I'm glad to be with you and with our audience. Okay, so I, I'm going to just jump right into the deepest pit here. So <laughs> why <laughs> why is it so important for us to awaken to the power of present moment awareness? Well, actually, the, the answer is pretty simple. Um, if you're not aware of your thoughts, you'll believe them, and they'll drive your life. Um, so in a certain sense, you'll become the victim of your own beliefs and your own thoughts. And likewise, if you're not aware of your feelings... Um, I mean, you, you feel them, but, but you don't have a conscious or, or aware relationship with your feelings, 
then you constantly seek after what makes you feel good and you'll constantly run away from things that make you feel bad, which is not a, actually a conscious way of living. Um, and, and there are many, many feelings that are very difficult that we have to learn to embrace. It's essential for us to learn to embrace. And there are many wonderful things that we need to let life, in a sense, trust life to bring to us as opposed to chasing after them because the, the chasing after anything is a form of stress. So present moment awareness means simply that you're aware of your thoughts, not ruled by them. You're in relationship to your feelings, not driven by them. Okay. So that question, the reason I asked that question is because uh, I, we have so many people uh, who are not necessarily uh, thinking in terms of uh, the new thought movement or anything like that who are trying to talk about being being uh, present, being aware of the now, living into the now. Those are the terms that are sort of floating around out there. And uh, so many of us really don't even know why we need to do that, and there's some misunderstanding about what that means. So you just clarified both questions in one, mm-hmm. so I appreciate you doing that. What, what do you mean when you talk about emotional pollution? Ah, uh, good. Um, take the process of aging, which I'm beginning to have an adventure with. And I just got an email from an 86-year-old man who's quite a well-known teacher, so I'll leave him private. But um, just talking about the things you encounter as you get old. And he was in his email, he was saying, how do people deal with this if they don't have a, a really you know, deep commitment to a psycho-spiritual path. Um, So emotional pollution is literally what we create in ourselves. When we tell ourselves a story, for example, about aging, um, as opposed to just live our experience. So if I say to myself, um, as I age, oh, I'm not going to be able to do the things I used to do. Of course you won't be able to do the things you used to do. But when you think that, um, in that moment, the now present moment, you will become maybe sad, maybe depressed, maybe a loss of enthusiasm for life. That's emotional pollution. And, right. and then just there's thousands of thoughts every day that are essentially judgments of other people that make you bitter or resentful or competitive or envious. That's emotional pollution. Or you judge yourself. You say, oh, I'm not as smart as so-and-so. And, and you feel a little inferior. Or, or, and that's emotional pollution. And that's right. all created by thoughts. So by pollution, you sort of mean sort of dirt in the air. We're not getting clarity about what's really down in there. Well, every one of us at some time has felt so good in our bodies that the, that the world within the world around seems to be you know, a little taste of heaven on earth. I mean, I, I know that from my experience of rock climbing and mountaineering and surfing and bicycling and all I know that space, and I know it from meditation, and so our listeners know it too. Um, you know what it's like to be really in flow, really clear, really good. So you then, obviously, if you're in your body, know what it's like to be filled with anxiety and worry and um, distrust. And those, that's in those sensations, those are caused by your thinking, not caused by life itself. Right, right. So, I may okay, have so answered th- your question. I'm you, you did great I, because that gives me a great segue to the next question. Um, I want to talk about thinking. You said you, your thoughts are what sort of create some of that, and and I guess our thoughts spring from our beliefs as well. But 
You talked in the book about thinking as the interpreter and as different from present moment awareness. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Well, thinking is a mode of consciousness, obviously, that we all use that has tremendous survival value, especially when you can learn from the past and make better choices and you can anticipate the future and be better prepared and you can be perceptive about yourself, perceptive about a situation, perceptive about another, as opposed to judgmental of yourself, judgmental of people, just meant judgmental of the situation. So thinking is an essential mode of consciousness. But present moment awareness is not thinking. It's a, it's a much larger space. It's a space in which you can have a relationship. Consciousness is not a, a thing in itself because you could never get outside of it to say, oh, that's consciousness. Because wherever you would be, it would also be some kind of consciousness. So present moment awareness, or, or let's call it deeper consciousness, or essential consciousness, or fundamental consciousness, is, is the is actually who we are, and it is a relationship. It's not a thing. You don't realize a state of unitive consciousness because if all there was was consciousness, there'd be no one to, t- to report what the experience was. Consciousness is always a relationship. And so that, that the power of our awareness, the power of our consciousness is to be in relationship. Relationship with fear instead of the victim of fear. Relationship with loneliness instead of the victim of loneliness. The relationship with our beliefs instead of polarizing ourselves within ourselves or between ourselves and others because of our beliefs. It's consciousness is fundamental. And, you know, we don't know the source of it. People want to believe it starts in the brain. I don't think so. I think the brain interprets it. Um, And... But I, I don't really need to go into that kind of an intellectual process. I don't need to understand electricity in order to turn a light on and off. And I don't need to understand consciousness in order to use it. Right. And we use right. it by being in relationship to our beliefs, in relationship to our memories, in relationship to our future thoughts, in relationship to our judgments. And we can change that. Because we're in a relationship, we can change those beliefs. We can change our relationship to our memories. We can change the way we let the future scare us or fill us with hope. We can change. Right, right. So, going back now to emotional pollution, when you were talking about your friend and and you, you, you also mentioned the whole idea of aging, well, I'm too old to do that or I won't be able to do what I used to do, we can also make choices based on those beliefs that lock us in. Is that correct? Yeah, well, what I like to say, and I think it's really important, is that the truth of the belief is how it makes you feel in that moment that you believe it. A lot of beliefs you may not realize you hold, and so learning to discover what you believe is a very, very important part of doing deep work on yourself. But the truth of a belief is how it makes you feel and how you behave, how you act. Whether it's true or not, you'll never know, especially in the domain of psychology. We can't, for example, say that, um, that gravity is a belief. Gravity is a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but psychology is almost all beliefs. And in the end, psychological theories aren't what's important. What's really important is if you believe, if you're a Christian, you can believe Christianity in so many different ways. It can make you the most profoundly loving, peaceful, caring individual, or it can make you righteous and um, ready to kill other people who believe differently. Mm-hmm. So 
belief is what you feel because of a belief and how you act, and that's all we'll ever know. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So, I want to talk in a minute about uh, the body, how the body figures into this as well. But first, I want to, if you can, give us a sort of a idea of what it would be like, for example, to have a relationship with fear. How how do we establish that, and what does it look like? Well, first of all, there's no one way, and everybody finds their own way if they try. And whatever way you find is valid. But a relationship with fear, for example, here's a way that I would guide someone. I would say, first of all, take away the word fear. Let's say it's fear of heights or or, or fear of spiders or fear of crowds or fear of abandonment or whatever it is. Because there's a thousand names for fear, but there's only actually one sensation. When we talk about fear, whether it's my body or your body, anybody's body, what it feels is a sensation. And if we would say we're very afraid, then the sensation's strong. If we say, I'm, I'm a little anxious, then the sensation's minimal. Um, so now I'm aware of this sensation. Otherwise, I wouldn't have it. I, I wouldn't know it. I couldn't call it fear. So first, take away the word fear. And the moment you do that, a part of your mind shifts from being the victim of the power of the word fear, let's say the, the fear of heights or fear of failure or fear of abandonment, those words scare us more than the sensation. Now let's engage the sensation. How do you engage it? Well, it's in your body. So breathe directly toward it. Slow your breath down. Go toward it. And now the, what is it we do all the time? We want a result. Einstein said... If you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, you're insane. That's crazy. So if you go toward fear and you want it to go away, you want that result. You want to feel better. Well, every creature, every insect, every amoeba that feels threatened in any way by even changing the temperature of the water the amoeba is swimming in, it wants to feel better. So there's nothing, absolutely nothing new about wanting to feel better. So stop wanting anything. Turn toward fear, take away the word, let go of outcome consciousness or agenda. And now you're using this limitless mind, this limitless awareness to be in relationship to fear. And maybe it will change just by itself. Or maybe you'll feel your body start to move spontaneously. Or maybe you'll want to make a sound and sing. So do something with this energy that we call fear. Do something new. Do something different with it. Dance with it. Make up a song. Write a poem. Um, or just let yourself get bigger and bigger. Imagine the mind is as limitless as the universe, bigger even than the universe. Um, and so be creative. And slowly but surely, I once turned to the most intense fear that kept recurring and recurring and happened in the night. And it happened a lot especially after the initial process of awakening 37 years ago. There was an enormous amount of fear. And one day I was just laying in bed, arms out at my sides, my legs a little apart, and I said to the fear, okay, eat me. And in the split second I said that, it turned into utter peace, silence, bliss, joy, just like that. And I had never, ever, ever before accepted it's utterly surrendered 
to that feeling utterly. That was the very first time I'd surrendered to it utterly, said yes to it utterly, and it turned into love. It turned into silence, peace. And I realized, hey, wait a minute. Fear, fear is just an energy within a structure. It's not a thing in itself. I changed the structure by saying yes. And then the thing we call fear changes into something else. So be creative. Be, be inventive. And, and use your breath. and Be in your body and take away the name. And don't believe you've ever felt the sensation you call fear before. Because then, the, then it means that you, the ego, which is a very limited awareness, is the one that's going to be engaging the fear. And the ego is afraid of the fear. The ego has always been afraid of the fear. Whereas your aware self just feels it. It's not afraid of it. It just feels it. And then you can dance with it, metaphorically speaking. You could literally dance with it, too, but in a metaphorical sense, you can dance with it by singing, by writing poems, by, by just playing, by, by wailing, and, um, by giving yourself a massage. I mean, just, and then you find your way into this new relationship with fear, and that process grows your faith in, in yourself and in life. Beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so much of the time, what we're trying to do with fear or anger or those things we call negative emotions is we are trying to make them go away, and that puts us in enmity with our own emotions instead of doing what you're talking about, which is learning to listen to it, to let it be, to you know, to let it be its own process. And exactly, you know, in a certain sense, there's only the present moment. I say to I say to people, it's kind of a I say, who you are begins now, who you were begins now, and who you will be begins now. Meaning, your relationship to your memory about anything that ever happened in your life is going to take place right now. And your relationship to anything you imagine for the future is going to take place right now. So in that sense, fear has never happened before. It's right now. And if you don't Attach it to stories like, oh, this has happened a hundred times and it, oh, it's going to happen again. I'll never get, future story. I'll never get over it. Um, this has happened before, past story. If you don't do that, then it's a sensation and the sensation is like weather and it's stormy weather, but stormy weather always clears. The, the tornado isn't there very long. It's a terrible, terrible storm and it does terrible damage, but it, not that fear does damage to us. I'm, I'm making an analogy with weather. A tornado does damage, but, but fear doesn't do any damage to us if we don't fight it. It actually initiates us to deeper consciousness if we open to it. Wonderful. Beautifully said. All right. Well, that's, that's it for right now. We're going to take a break and come back with more from Dr. Richard Moss about inside-out healing, transforming your life through the power of presence. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you discovered your true self yet? When we clearly understand how we create our reality, we can develop empathy and love for our humanity and that of others. Listen to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. 
Your host, Dr. Joe Mancini, has spent years helping individuals get unstuck and find direction in their lives. Find out more by tuning into our expert guests and participants on Explorations in Consciousness, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. There are a lot of questions about psychic reading and messages from beyond and what they say to us and about us. Join hosts Pat Nelson and Bryce Korzanowski for Illuminating You. Our program will answer many of the questions that you may have and others will have. Our guests discuss and share their personal stories of triumph over trauma. We'll talk about all aspects of healing, living as a part of nature, and other psychic and medium topics. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC approved continuing education, and a brand new PhD program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a THD and a PhD, holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies of the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. What is most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of study that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths. Utilizing as your text writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world, the coursework allows students to explore and find their own spiritual experience and path, and then, if they wish, to take healing, help, and wisdom to others. So AIHT is changing the world one student at a time, and all you have to do to, is, to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or 
or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. And we're talking to Dr. Richard Moss today about his beautiful book, Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. And we've gotten a clear definition of what it is to be present and uh, what it is present, what present moment awareness actually is and what is emotional pollution. We've seen thinking as sort of the interpreter and as different from that larger mind of present moment awareness. Now I want to talk just a little bit about how the body figures into present moment awareness. So can you say something about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, the body and the mind are are not separate. Um, If the body's unhappy, the feeling nature tends to go into darker places and the thinking begins to become faster, um, more compulsive, and, and negative. When when a person learns to start being in the present moment, that doesn't automatically mean you feel wonderful. It means you stop polluting yourself emotionally because emotions like envy, jealousy, resentment, bitterness, things like that, they come from thoughts. So the more you rest in your body, the more you're in the present moment because the body is in the present moment. It's, it's never anywhere else. So... So the body is both the instrument by which you recognize that you've left the present moment because now suddenly you're really agitated, anxious, speedy, um, tense, breathing fast, heart rate fast, all of the body saying to you, hey, hey, wake up, you're, you're polluting yourself now with fear, for example, because of the way you're imagining the future. Um, so the body gives you the signal, ah, I'm muddy, I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally muddy now, I'm, I'm angry or resentful or so forth. Um, the other side of it is, since the body is always in the present moment, entering the body, diving deep into the body is essentially diving into something infinite and limitless. We use the word body, and I was a doctor, I have a, a certain training as do other people in science about the physical nature of the body and the subtle nature of the systems of the body. Um, and then we can talk about subtle energies of the body and so forth. But when you bring your awareness fully into your body, fully into your breath, all of your other sensations, all of your other perceptions, rather, start to become more vivid. And, and, and you become more alive. And the thinking mind subsides the aware mind grows, the, the sense of being in the body, um, relaxed and yet awake, that grows, um, and, and we become much more healthy. I say to people, we, we in this society, if more people were mindful and really lived in the present and weren't polluting themselves emotionally, we, we have no idea how healthy human beings would be. We would be, without that extra emotional pollution, we, almost every single disease would diminish in frequency because our bodies simply are that much more healthy. Um, and when you get a group of people together who really are dedicated to practicing presence, um, the collective field of that group imbues each individual with health. So every single person is influencing the health of every other person. 
all over the world right now, all the time, and it never stops. And the other side of it's true, not to make a guilt trip, but allow yourself to be polluted emotionally and contracted and small and muddy, and you are less healthy. And because of your field, your field of consciousness, which extends limitlessly from you, in a certain way you bring down the vibration and limit the health of everyone else. Again, it's not a guilt trip. It's just that we are our brother's keepers in a very actual sense. Not just that... So the choice to be more conscious and present in our bodies is, a, is going to create health for us personally and health for us collectively. Right, right. So yeah, um, the, there are a lot of people who are seekers who are um, being taught or, be, or fi- from whatever method finding out that there is a, supposed to be a transcendence of the body in order to to gain enlightenment. And then there's also, of course, Western tradition teaches us that the body is just something we're here to be in for a temporary amount of time, and then we go on to some grander, glorious place, and we don't have to think about the body anymore. So the question I have relative to what you just said would then be, can we be present in the moment and still disregard the body? No. I mean, just categorically, no. No. Yeah. Um, the body, more than your mind, is your connection to limitless existence. The deeper you are in your body, the more you're connected to the environment, the environment of planet Earth. The deeper you are in your body, the more you're collect- connected to the collective consciousness influencing every human being. The deeper you are into your body, the more you are in timeless wisdom. So you can't transcend the body and in fact scriptures, in scripture it says in this flesh we shall see God um, and that's quite true if you're going to see, see God it's not going to be because you get out of your body it's because you're going to get deeper into your body and, and that's the sheer joy of athletics that's, that's the flow state that, that any athlete knows runners know surfers know and dancers know and lovemakers know and poets and painters know um, you, you, you're really in your body when you are at the most creative but you're, you're in your body with awareness your, your body is ready and relaxed which is paradoxical in language it sounds opposite that you could be ready, alert, awake and profoundly relaxed but the, the, it's simultaneous and the mind every single sense and perception is vivid, really clear, really vivid, and yet the mind is limitless, so we're not narrow. So we're both focused and spacious. So you can't do this without your body. You shouldn't even want to. Um, It's a mistake. It's a misinterpretation, the idea of transcending the body. In fact, the deeper you go into the body, the more you transform it, um, and the more you touch states in which the body may very well accelerate its evolution and its capacity to sustain a heightened consciousness. Um, And particularly, I think, the path of intimacy between people, sensual intimacy, sexual intimacy, conversational, discussional intimacy, is all essentially going to, to deepen us, and the body always participates. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much for saying that. I, I think that's one of the most confounding and confusing things to us because we so have such a hard time wrapping our heads around the idea that body and, and spirit or soul, however you want to say that, is are not separate. We just have such a hard time with that. Well, I think because of, we've been taught that, you know, we end when our body dies, and we don't know that. Mm-hmm. You know, and many, many people believe quite the opposite, that we don't end after our body dies. I think the most important thing about the belief would be, okay, how does that make you feel and how do you behave? For example, I said to myself, well, I don't know anything about what happens after life, excuse me, after death, uh, and I don't know that consciousness continues in some form after death, though many people believe that. And I, and I said, well, okay, does the vulnerability of not knowing what happens after death cause me to live more openly or cause me to live more defendedly? And when I looked in my body, I was living more openly. So for the time being, I'm very content to not know whatsoever what happens after death or to believe anything in particular because I don't think I have to believe it for whatever will happen to happen. Uh, I would prefer to believe in a God that will reward you know, that is so loving and forgiving that I don't have to believe in anything to have God's love. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, you know, that, 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 that inculcation of, oh, when the body ends, I end, I don't know that that's true, but I know this, the deeper I go into my body, the closer I get to, to everyone around me, and what emanates from me is a field that literally awakens hearts and heals bodies um, and and diminishes fear. And that's not a consciousness that's separate from my body. That's a consciousness that's integrated in me and emanates from my whole being, which includes my body. I'm not going to say my being is only my body, but I, I would definitely say my there is no being without a body. Um, and now that's my belief. Yeah. And it makes me feel a certain way, and it makes me act a certain way. Someone wants to believe something else, good for you. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yes. Yes, and, and, and so what we're talking about is bringing the whole person into awareness. We're talking about bringing the body into awareness, bringing the mind into awareness, bringing the emotions into awareness, and being present with all of those. Exactly. As, yep. Okay. 37 so, years ago, I had this, as you in, in the introduction mentioned, I had this experience. You know, for, it's easy, let's call it cosmic consciousness or fundamental realization or, or experience of enlightenment. It didn't make me permanently enlightened. It just changed me. But it was a profound energy in the body, and my body's never been the same. My consciousness has never been the same. When I'm in a group, my whole being, including my body, feels that group. When I'm with a person, my whole being, including my body, feels that person. And everybody who has any degree of sensitivity and gets near me feels the field that comes off of me. Without my body, there's no field. Mm-hmm. Okay. No emanation. Yeah. Yeah. So the deeper we go into flesh, the deeper we go into spirit. Yeah. That's, that's very well said. I like that. Yes. All right, well, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this whole concept of suffering because that's one of the things that people tend to believe is, is uh, our problem here, what, uh, that we, we are, have pain. So what is the difference? Uh, you talk in your book about 
the difference between pain and suffering. What is the difference between pain and suffering? Well, basically, it depends on how you want to define the word. Um, One could say that pain is inevitable. If I hit my my thumb with a hammer, I'm going to feel pain. I have uh, an arthritic hip, so there's pain. Um, I've had injuries, but that was pain. Suffering is what happens because of what my mind tells me. I have an arthritic hip, so the last four months, five months, oh, six months, I've been using wheelchairs through the airports. I haven't been able to go out in nature. I haven't been able to ride my bike. I haven't been able to hike. Uh, I mean, out in nature. I haven't been able to go for a walk. Um, And instead of that making me suffer, um, there's physical discomfort, and sometimes it, it reaches a level where I would call it pain. But without a story that compares me to the, the man I was when I was you know, ran a half marathon last September or the, the man that loves mountaineering and bicycling and things like that and gardening. Um, without a, a story about not being that man anymore, I don't suffer. So suffering to me is created by the mind and that we have power over. And pain is pain. And then there are certain feelings that are not emotions, in the sense not created by stories, like grief. Grief is an extraordinarily difficult feeling that is absolutely normal. And I know a woman who worked years with me and knew the difference between the suffering created by stories and, let's just call it emotional pain, profound emotional pain, because when her son at 19 committed suicide, she had no stories about being a failed mother or the father failing or judgments of her son or judgments of the institutions that didn't help the son in the schools. Um, She had worked on all of those thoughts which produced in her, well, the idea of being a failed mother would be a terrible thing to believe. Um, Without those thoughts, she dealt with the death of her son and she said to me, to a group of people when we were together, she said, I felt things, I can't even name them, and I wouldn't wish them on anyone, but I never for a moment suffered. Right, right. So basically, as the mind interprets pain, it becomes suffering. When you add a story, that's right, when you interpret pain, when you put a story on it, physical pain can become suffering. Um, and natural emotional states like powerlessness. She was powerless to really, with, despite her love and all her work on herself, to change the arc of her son's life that led to the point when he committed suicide at 19. That's one example of hundreds, thousands that I've been, encountered in my years as a teacher and guide. Um, and that we've all had and or know of in our families. Um, so... If you, if you are going to be a living being, you're going to feel things that are very, very difficult to feel. And if you do not interpret it with your mind, those feelings are transformative. They are initiatory. They will deepen your capacity to sustain and transmit higher and more complete states of consciousness. Yes, beautifully said. That's very good. Thank you very much for that clear explanation. And we're going to be back in just a minute more, just a few minutes with some more from Dr. Richard Moss about his wonderful book, Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. Stay tuned for that. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Explore subconscious programs, belief systems, and past life memories that may be sabotaging your life. Join host Dorian Light on her show, All About You, as she helps you to shift change and heal your life. Each week, Dorian does a light session using psychic energetics and the language of light to energetically shift and clear negative patterns you have stored regarding that week's topics. Step into the realm of infinite possibilities for your life. All About You airs live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking to Dr. Richard Moss about his book, uh, Inside Out Healing, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence. And we've been talking a lot about what it means to be present and uh, how to deal with uh, emotions that come up so that we're present with them and developing a relationship with them and uh, talking about the difference between pain and suffering. So uh, I want to talk, we're going to have in the same in the same. Um, segment we're going to uh, have a clip from oprah's upcoming super soul sunday series so uh, you want to be here for that uh, but before we do that i wanted to ask you dr moss about this thing about presence and meaning because so many people out there are talking about even people who aren't very spiritual or religious are talking about how to find meaning in life so what does this presence sort of presence process do for us in terms of finding meaning in life I think at a certain limited level, uh, a scientist who wants to solve a problem, uh, a doctor that wants to find a new way of healing, um, finds meaning in that, in, in, a, in an intellectual in, uh, enterprise. Something that is important to you, that you direct your energy towards, gives you meaning. But there is also another level of meaning. And, and that comes because you become so present that... that and, and to become present at the level I'm talking about is, is both effort and grace. You have to work at it. You need a practice for it. Um, and Inside Out Healing gives a very clear practice uh, of, of, of how to come back from what pulls us away 
But, but when you do, and every time you do, touch deeply into present moment awareness, meaning is implicit in it. Meaning is intrinsic in it. You are part of everything. For a little while, for a moment on that surfboard, in that lovemaking, in that quiet moment, in that moment of surrender, uh, not, and I don't want to make it sound dramatic, but you just give up and you let go for a moment. It doesn't matter where you are or why. Suddenly you just stop fighting. You, you just stop struggling. You just stop wanting. You just stop trying to direct your life. And, and then suddenly meaning is there. It's already there. Your body has a 100 trillion cells, every one of them in relationship to every other one of them. The meaning of just being alive is, is almost, it's truly beyond the ability for us to articulate it in language. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most wonderful poetry says it. The most wonderful scripture says it, as close as we can say it. So meaning is implicit in that profound connection to yourself, which is a profound connection to mystery, by whatever name you want to call it, which is also a profound connection to everyone and everything else. Meaning is implicit in that. So the more you get present the more the meaning of life is right there. You're living it. You, you don't have to look for it. You, mm-hmm. you don't have to need something. It, it won't come in the future when you, when you have a better house or you know, another car or more money. The, the meaning that gives life a profound sense of fulfillment is right now, in this moment. It, it, it really... And that... To know that and to trust that is the deeper meaning of faith. Faith based on belief is actually faith based on distrust. But faith based on surrender into yourself in the present moment without the least idea what will come brings you into contact with life at such a profound level that meaning is immediate. And, and at the heart of that meaning is, is things that we've heard Love your neighbor as thyself. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Um, we are all one. Um, the greatest gift we give anyone else is the quality of how we're present with them, the purity of our attention. And that's the meaning. Um, and as you become an instrument of that, that limitless love, which is kind of the backbone of our universe, you don't have to, to, to try to find meaning just just living your life is meaning. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I'm so glad you said that because I, I think that there's so much in the Western culture in particular uh, in our mindset about seeking after, going after, striving for, going to attain <clears throat> sort of goal-oriented behavior, um, goal-oriented thinking. And so we're, we're so attuned to that if we're not having goal-oriented thinking and behavior, there must be something wrong with us. But what you're saying is what is very right for us is just the life energy of living itself. And when we just are present... We're not, we don't have to go looking for it. It's already there. A great deal, Andrea, of goal-oriented behavior is actually running from feelings that we don't know how to befriend and accept. I totally agree. So no matter how much meaning you get by chasing after something, if you're actually running away from an unmet feeling, you'll never have meaning that sustains you. Right. All right, so uh, with that, we're going to move on into the clip uh, that Oprah Winf- of Oprah Winfrey's upcoming Super Soul Sunday, where she sits down with best-selling author Anne Lamott on the all-new episode of Super Soul Sunday this Sunday, October 27th at 11 a.m. 
11 a.m. Uh, Eastern and Pacific Time. Um, beloved writer, New York Times bestselling author, and spiritual memoirist of Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers, Operating Instructions, and Bird by Bird. And Lamont joins Oprah in Maui to talk about the three types of prayer that can help anyone through challenging times. Lamont introduces her latest book, Stitches, a handbook on meaning, hope, and repair, a funny and profoundly moving meditation on the search for meaning and how we can make the wounded parts of ourselves whole again, stitch by stitch. Plus, Lamont opens up about her own recovery from addiction and her ongoing commitment to appreciate the sacred in everyday life. Additionally, at 105 years of age, Edith Kirkmeyer is Facebook's oldest registered user. So in the Super Soul Sunday original short, Edith shares her lifelong desire to help others. Here's that clip now. Feed your soul every Sunday morning. What makes you say, wow? This Sunday, Oprah follows her on Twitter. New York Times bestselling author, Anne Lamont. Silence can be prayer. Rage can be prayer. What's the difference between prayer and what we wish for? How her darkest moments... Why did you start doing drugs? Why? ...led to a new passion for life. To have been born is a miracle. I love that. Super Soul Sunday. All new this Sunday, 11 a.m. 10 Central. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to that show. I'm going to be here for that. You should, too. So uh, we talked about uh, how it is that... Um, meaning can come as a result of sort of surrendering to the moment. One of the hardest things for us to do, Dr. Moss, is to maintain that sense of presence with ourselves while engaging in an interaction with another person. Can you talk about how we can sort of be stay there when somebody else walks in the room? Well, when somebody else walks in the room and you overvalue them, you lose connection to yourself. When someone walks into the room and you undervalue them, you lose connection to yourself. When someone walks into the room and you're connected to yourself, someone has just walked into the room. And when you're connected to yourself, who walked into the room is other and interesting. And you're present and you're listening. So the practice is how do you stay connected to yourself? And, and it is through breathing through staying in your body, through watching your feelings change without losing yourself to them, watching the the climate of your mind change and being a witness to that uh, and being grateful for the awareness that allows you to be a witness to that. So I can't give a formula. There isn't a formula for how you stay connected to yourself. You just stay connected to yourself. You choose not to overvalue someone or undervalue someone, you choose to see them as other and, and, and to experience fascination and, and curiosity and wonderment. And it doesn't matter if they're a billionaire. If a billionaire comes to visit me, it doesn't make a difference to me, one iota. I've worked with very famous people, wealthy people, movie stars. If my energy changes because of them, they're not going to trust me. Mm-hmm. If because of because of a concept about them because of their world accomplished they're not gonna they're not gonna trust me especially an actress if she feels your energy change around her uh, or a beautiful woman oh, she's not gonna trust me mm-hmm. um, so I don't know how to tell people to do this if you have an awareness practice keep at it dedicate your life to it consecrate your life to becoming the human being you most want to be. And then, and then it doesn't matter who is, comes into the room. If it's your mother, and and you have got a lot of stories about your mother, and and you lose your 
you lose yourself, then when you go home, ask yourself, I wonder what I was telling myself about my mother, about myself, about our, the past we share, about the future I imagine, and find out every single story that made you lose connection to yourself, made you emotionally contracted or emotionally reactive. Um, see, that's exactly what inside-out healing teaches people to do. In this case, histories and there's all the examples, you, you read the book or looked through it, mm-hmm. All the examples on how to do that. So you have to have a practice. You don't just magically do that. Um, and, and you practice. You practice because you want to be the best possible human being you can be and help every other human being that comes in contact with you become the best possible human being they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, I guess what you're saying there is that we, the more we are present with ourselves, the more likely we are to be present with ourselves even when somebody walks in the room. Yes. So with that and, practice... And we lose it. it most with our spouses or we lose it with our kids, if we, especially if we're worried about them. We lose, it, we lose it with our parents. We lose it with the people who psychologically have the, the deepest roots in us and us in them. And that's where we do the most profound work. Mm-hmm. You work on every story about your mother because they're not true. Perceptions may be true, but... That your mother didn't love you, that's not true. She may have at times been so anxious or worried or ill or tired that she couldn't have the energy to love you, but she loved you. You know, your father didn't love you, that's not true. You work on these beliefs that people build their psychology on and you tear them down and the book teaches you exactly how to do it as effectively as any method I've ever come across. And then when someone walks in the room, you don't have stories. If you stop reacting to your mother and your heart stays open, or your father, and your heart stays open, and you can really see them as individuals, not as a psychological extension of yourself, then you'll stay open with everybody else. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, and that's, that's the big deal. And what you said about going back home and saying, well, now, what was it that made me lose myself there? Um, and working with that material is that's that whole thing about working with some shadow material and 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 we're obviously not going to have a great deal of time to get into shadow material because uh, that's just a whole subject in itself but um, that going into what we don't know about ourselves so that we can come to know another piece the sort of um, going fishing is the way I think about it. Is you, mm-hmm. um, okay? I'm here. I'm here, present for this. I got my rod out there, and I wonder if a fish is going to come by. Uh-huh. And uh, that that whole thing is uh, is is that is that precious thing that we can get from the unconscious. You started off the show saying that um, you didn't know where consciousness came from, and one of the theories that Carl Jung had was that consciousness comes from the unconscious. So if that's really true, then everything we do to bring more conscious awareness builds our conscious experience and builds our lives from that aspect. So paying attention to that stuff uh, that comes up in the presence of somebody else is a big, big, big deal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well said. You know, it's often said we're, we're created in the image of God. And if we think of God um, as... as Limitless potential, the limitless potential for the um, manifestation creation of anything, then we ourselves are actually able to invent ourselves. So Jung invented his ideas, and, and they governed his life, and some of it came from his own 
effort, and some of it came from some deeper place that he called the unconscious, and other people would call it soul or spirit or source. Um, it doesn't matter what words we put to it. What matters is in the sh- whatever time you have here in your life, who do you want to make yourself into? Beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Moss, for being on our show today. I really appreciate everything you've had to say. You've helped us understand this all better. And next week, we're going to be enjoying our Countdown to Heaven series further by talking about what is it that keeps us from inhabiting heaven now. So you want to be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.